Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Join with me in the book of Jude tonight as we go to the, uh, in the Bible. As we do so, we are encouraged uh, by God's faithfulness to us. Uh, isn't God good? And I'm thankful that tonight as we come together as a church, we can be encouraged by His goodness, by His faithfulness to us. Even in these days in which we live, we have a God who is always faithful. And Jude reminds us of this as uh, he is dealing with his apostates that have crept into the church, and, and there, he gives a little bit of a warning to us tonight, and to, to apostates is really. And so uh, he gives us this warning in these verses that we're going to cover in verses 4 through 7, but I want to just back up just a little bit in verse number 3, because there is where we find our theme for the whole book of the uh, book of Jude, all 24 verses, amen? So let's read verse number 3 together. And uh, as we begin, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old uh, ordained to this uh, condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he reserved in everlasting chains under uh, darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going over strange flesh, excuse me, going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let's stop and pray there. Thank you, Father, for uh, the book of Jude, Lord, for the encouragement it is to us, Lord, uh, that in the day that which we live, we can continue to stand fast in the faith, earnestly contending, as, as he uh, mentions here in the text. And so, help our hearts to be stirred, help us, Lord, to be encouraged uh, before, uh, for the days ahead. And so, we thank you for your precious spirit and your holy word, and we just pray that you would lead and direct in our lives today, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we think about uh, what Jude wrote, we realize that he is writing to defend, the, uh, to defend truth and to help the church be able to stand in a day that was apostate and in a day that was uh, full of error. And, and I couldn't help but be uh, cognizant of the fact that, that his day is much like our day. There are certain men quite crept in unawares, and they want to come in and they want to subvert the truth. But, G, but Jude was encouraging the church here, just as the first church, now the church 
church in 2022 as we see that God reminds us, earnestly contend for the faith. He says, don't give up. He says, I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's not always uh, a bed of roses, but this is what we know. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, and be not weary in well-doing, uh, for ye shall reap if you faint not. And so we're thankful for the promises of God. We're thankful for God's faithfulness because the reality is, is that the attack of, uh, on truth is as old as human history. It began all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Satan twisted God's Word and convinced Eve to dis, uh, disobey her Creator. And then uh, ever since then, we've seen the father of lies, who is Satan, continually try uh, to, uh, to d- destroy the truth of God. And so Satan's goal is simple, and that's to re- resist at all costs the advancement of God's kingdom. And so today, we stand here with a couple of promises in hand. One, we're, we as believers have a promise that God says, I will never leave thee, I will never forsake thee. Amen? Isn't that good? It's grateful to have that promise. The second promise is, uh, Jesus said, I, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that good? That's another good promise that we can come to. We also have this promise uh, that His Word is true. It's the same from uh, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But listen, the Word of God is trustworthy, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. And it is profitable even still today. And it gives us a list there of what we can be profited thereby. But let me just encourage you, because I know Satan, uh, his tactics are very stealthy, and, and oftentimes he baits his victims uh, with a desire to uh, be able to deceive and to distort the truth. And so we're going to see uh, that, that Jude begins to uh, reveal uh, some of these tactics. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so despite uh, the victories uh, that Satan often has, let me just tell you, Satan's days are numbered. So let me just encourage you. I've read the back of the book, and we win. Jesus wins. Uh, and so God promises uh, the truth that will, will ultimately and, and prevail in this life. And so, uh, matter of fact, I want to read to you a couple of prophecy, prophecies from 2 Thessalonians 2 uh, that we can be encouraged by. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 5 through 7. Uh, 17, excuse me. So it's kind of lengthy. You can turn there in your Bible and join me. It says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that uh, what withholdeth, uh, what that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who, uh, who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's a great prophecy. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle." 
Now the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now, there's a lot what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica there, but it's full of the promises of God. One, we're reminded that He is the victor, amen? And then we're also reminded to continue to stand fast, to hold fast the word of truth, not to let it slip in this hour, in this age. Now, we, I believe with all my heart we're in the age of Laodicea, but as we see this day around us and we see this Laodicean attitude building in the church, may we have that fervency for God in the midst of all of this, that listen, we still hold the truth, we still get to lift up Jesus Christ, and there's still souls that need Jesus. And, and, as a, and I, think, I think about this, and I think about our children in our chapel just a couple of uh, doors over. And as they're in their chapel, they're doing Master Club, which is a, a program designed to instill truth into the hearts of our children. Downstairs, if you walk downstairs, you uh, see a bunch of smiling teenagers and maybe some smelly teenagers, amen. Uh, and, and you'll find in that classroom uh, students who are soaking up the word of truth. Why? Because... We need to continue to contend for the truth. And so that's what we're here for tonight. If you go down to the Fellowship Hall, you'll find uh, groups of people meeting one-on-one where they can grow in the knowledge of truth. Christ's eternal kingdom will one day be established, and we're looking forward to that. But Satan and his minions, and but that day we realize that Satan and his minions will be vanquished. And when, when that day happens, it's going to be a glorious day. The Bible re- describes it like this in Revelation 20 and verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and, of, and, brimstone, uh, lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Isn't that a good news? Listen, there's going to be times where the Satan tries to get you down, and he tries to discourage your heart, and he tries to uh, just bring you uh, to a place of weakness. But let me remind you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me remind you that whenever these things happen, that Satan's end is that eternal destruction. But that's not my end. My end is found in Revelation 21. My end is found later uh, when God says that I will never uh, perish I am His eternally. I'm God's child. Uh, before church, uh, I was, was being silly with Sister Joreen, and I bowed to her, and she looked down on the ground like I was looking at something. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm bowing to a child of the King. Amen. Folks, let me tell you, you're a child of the King. Amen. Man, we have nothing to despair over in this world. And there's going to be bad days. I get that. But when we see the big picture, and we back up and we say, listen, we still serve a great God. We still serve a God who knows the end from the beginning, the one who said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. We serve a God who is able to to just speak and all things come into existence, the one who is willing to uh, sacrifice His own Son that we might have redemption for our sins. We have a reason today to have confidence and not to despair. And so we see this, this future destiny of Satan, and so... But right now, we must continue to be proactive in pursuing truth. So, help me out. Now, just a little bit of feedback with me tonight, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to take a swig of water. I'll let you do the talking for a while. Amen? And so, what, what is something, uh, how can we pursue truth? Let me ask you that. Just shout it out. How can you pursue truth in your life today? Read the Bible. Good. How else? Pray for direction. Amen. We need the Lord to lead us, don't we? Good. Well, how else? 
attend Sunday school. Dr. Weigel says, on the east side of the fellowship hall, or west side of the fellowship hall, you'll find good teaching. East side was right. <laughs> great teachers. Uh, the Lord's given us some great teachers in our church. I'm so thankful for each of them. Amen. Attend Sunday school. Someone said be in church. Good. You know, when we talk about pursuing truth, it's not just about pursuing, uh, you know, these things, but it's also about saying, listen, the cross before me, the world behind me. It's about saying, listen, I'm going to dedicate myself to this passion in my life. And it's the all-consuming thing for me, and everything else I'm going to put away. You know, that means when I get home, then there's going to be certain things that I'm not going to look at. There's not going to be certain things I'm not going to watch. There's certain things, standards that we have. And instead of using this time uh, for frivolous things, I'm going to apply myself in the Word of God. As my children age, I realize time flies quickly, doesn't it? And I, my son Asa and I are talking about buying cars uh, or a truck or something like that, and we're looking and, and we're uh, praying about this, and I'm thinking, I just remember just the other day when we were at the hospital with him. Some of y'all were there with us, amen? And I just remember how quickly this time goes. And let me just encourage you that God wants us to be proactive in contending for the faith. Listen, this is, we're, we're at uh, the, the final hour. We're in the final phase of this world, and I believe with all my heart that we've got to continue uh, to put on wisdom, to have discernment, to be uh, fortified in our faith, to be able to have endurance in this time in which we're living. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. The Apostle Paul also exhorted Timothy, and it says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, Love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Like Timothy, what we see as present-day believers, we have a mandate to take the truth of the gospel seriously. And so we can do all that we can uh, to protect and preserve its purity. And that starts first with me. Lord, help me to be in your word. Lord, help me to be directed by your word. Help me, Lord, to be faithful to you in your house. Let me, Lord, just draw near to you, knowing that when I draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to me. And so what we understand is there is, uh, there is a great, uh, there's something that's very great that weighs in the balance. This uh, last week, I think I was uh, reading through uh, uh, the story of Hezekiah once again. As I read through Hezekiah, I'm always amazed But uh, when uh, the prophet comes to him and he says, listen, Hezekiah, you're going to die, and he turns toward the wall and says, oh, Lord, I don't want to die, and God gives him 15 years. And in that uh, process of this, then uh, some uh, uh, ambassadors from Babylon come and visit the palace, and he shows him all the great things of the palace. And God comes to him and he says, now listen, what did they see? He said, they, I didn't show, I didn't, they saw it all. I, I let them see everything. And God gives him a prophecy. Listen, everything's going to be given to that nation. But not in your lifetime and the next. And you know what his attitude was? That's good that it didn't happen in mine. I'm always amazed by that attitude that he portrays there. And sometimes it's easy to say, man, we're still rolling on the, the goodness of the past. And man, isn't this good? I know things are going down, but at least it's going to be good in my lifetime. But what about our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren? May we keep that attitude that, listen, truth is weighs in the balance and, and there is a battle for the soul of our children, our grandchildren, our nation. 
And may we be willing to say, Lord, we want to be part of holding forth the word of life. And so let's look at a couple of things here from Jude, verses 4 through 7, as we just see uh, this warning to the apostates there. Because God does give us some warnings here. Very At the very beginning, we see that He says, For there are certain men uh, crept in unawares. And so, first off, we see that there was, uh, as Jude is writing this, we see there were already apostates present. Now, apostates, if I remind you, are people who were bringing in uh, false doctrine. They were false teachers. They had crept in unawares. And so it's evident in this connotation they'd slipped in secretly with an evil intent. And matter of fact, if you do a little extra biblical uh, reading, what you find is that it, uh, the description is likened to the craftiness of a lawyer who through his cleverness of his words tries to persuade the courtroom officials to, uh, to, into his corrupted thinking. And so uh, that is that same kind of attitude that, uh, that Jude is warning against. He says, listen, there are certain men crept in unawares. They're coming in and they've slipped in and it sounds really pretty, tickling to the ears, but the reality is that they're full of danger. And so Peter also warned in this regard in 2 Peter 2.1, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, that bought them, excuse me, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And so Peter warned them and he says, listen, there will be false prophets that come. Jude was saying, listen, the false prophets are here. The false teachers uh, that Peter was warning about are now here in the present, uh, and that would have just been a couple of years difference. There is a, there is a huge uh, danger of false teachers today. And they propagate their lies outside the church, but also especially inside the church. Jesus warned the apostles in Mark 13, 9, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against them. There are those that are without that desire to destroy truth. But the real danger lies in those that claim to know Jesus, but, con- and, but at the same time they continue to stir up falsehoods within the church. For example, there's counterfeit pastors, there's counterfeit elders and deacons and teachers, uh, all within the church, and, and are really are more dangerous uh, than an obvious error. If I was to take a brownie, and I, I, and I don't cook, so you'd be thankful that this is not going to happen in real life, uh, unless it's ramen noodles and hot dogs, that's my specialty. And so if I was to take a, uh, some brownie mix and I was to mix it all up real good and then I was to put in there just a little bit of strychnine uh, there in the mix and I was to bake it and I was to give it to you, would you be eager to eat that brownie mix? Why not? I mean, 99% of it is brownie. It's going to be good stuff. Milk and cocoa and sugar and butter and I don't know what goes in them. I'm just guessing. Some flour maybe? Maybe you ladies know how to make them. I just know how to eat them. Amen. Listen, but the problem is, is that, well, there's, there's something in that that doesn't belong. And you see, as we get in the Word of God and as we study the Word of God, we're able to identify and say, listen, there's something in this, this man's teaching and there's something in this blog or there's something in this, in this uh, video we're watching that's not exactly right. And I found myself in, with our, ch- our, our children, uh, we'll be watching a Christian ta- uh, station or channel, or uh, let me just correct that in 2020 vernacular, we're streaming a Christian television show. Amen. So that's more what we do today. And we're, we're watching this show together, and something obvious uh, of error comes upon. And I pause the TV, and I say, okay, now let's talk about what we just saw. Let's identify the error that's present in this. 
Because we've got to be able to say, listen, we're going to contend for the truth. We don't want to have that sneak in unawares. We want to be able to say, listen, these people are still out there among us. I remind you what the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16. 16 says, the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. He goes on and he gives us a list and a couple of things out of that list in verse 18. He says, feet that be swift and running to mischief. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Listen, false teachers creep in unnoticed. They're like wolves in sheep's clothing, and they look good on the outside, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. And they look to devour and dismantle, and it's obvious uh, over time as you watch their lives that, that the, this uh, deception is not, it cannot be carried on forever. And eventually there's discord in the church, there is mischief, there is behavior that will destroy fellowship and worship and ministry, evangelism, and, and a heart for the Lord. And that's why we are so warned by Jude and other places in the New Testament that, listen, contend for the faith, make sure you guard against error, and you lift up truth. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. I believe I shared this with you last week, but I want to remind you of this truth. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also for your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember, by the, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears." Paul urged these believers, remember the truth. Remember the Savior. Just remember your doctrine. Remember what I've invested in you. Today, we look around us and we see apostasy, apostasy takes many forms. It can be, especially with the passing of time, we see that Satan has devised many forms to bring in division and false teachers into our lives. It can be through a book that you're reading. It can be by somebody you're listening to on the radio, someone you're watching on television. And listen, they teach in the colleges, they teach in seminaries, they fill pulpits, they have blogs, they write websites. And that's why I, I don't want to just read about the Bible. I want to read the Bible. It's so important that we be uh, men and women of the book. I want to memorize God's Word. I want to figure out, Lord, how, could, how does this apply to my life today? I want to understand uh, and view the world around me through the lens of Scripture and, and let that shape uh, the way that I vote, the way that I uh, respond to people, the way that I respond to my wife, the way that I interact with my church family. Listen, Satan has always sown tares in among the wheat, and he raises up false brethren uh, just like that, and he disguises them as messengers of truth. And they look like the wheat, but they're really just a tear. And so uh, we're reminded of 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Listen, Jude's description is a little vague here, but the principle is still there. It's still strong. All spiritual pretenders pose a clear and present danger to the church. It doesn't matter what kind of form of error it presents itself in. And so, therefore, he calls us and says, Listen, church, be on guard. They're going to try to slip in unaware. You know, I was uh, just visiting with Sister Joe yesterday. She's uh, one of our, uh, our faithful ladies that uh, works at the polls. And aren't you thankful for those people? That, she got there at a quarter till five yesterday, and she didn't leave. and She didn't get home till after 10 o'clock last night. And I, I sit here and I think, man, it took me like 15 minutes to vote. But she was sharing with me, you know, on this Amendment 3 that just passed, that Greene County, I thought, would be one of those things, one of those counties that would be able to hold the line. 
Greene County had 54% voted in favor of marijuana. Where were the Christians? And my heart breaks over that. But see, what happens is we've allowed false teachers and things that itch our ears and things that are appealing to come in and influence our life. And instead of saying, Lord, what would you have for me to do? I go to a blog and I say, oh, marijuana is not that bad. Oh, I listen to this. Uh, the government tell me, oh, it's not that big a deal. But the reality is it's going to destroy lives and families and our community. May God help us. Let's continue in our word. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he gives us a little bit of a warning here in the latter part of this verse concerning the prediction about these apostates. And if we look all the way back in redemptive history, we see that God has promised to judge apostates very severely. Uh, and God has pronounced a damnation on those who reject the truth. As a matter of fact, we see a little later in your Bible, in Jude, verses 14 and 15, he talks about this as well. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh when ten thousand of his saints, <coughs> excuse me, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have uh, ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches uh, with ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So even in, uh, later, Jude speaks about this, this coming condemnation. But the Old Testament, in multiple places, I've just picked one here that we can reference to. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. In the Old Testament, God speaks of wrath on those that spread heresy. He says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them, and they shall pass th uh, through it, Hardly be stead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. And so again, this prophecy of what will happen to those who reject the truth of God's word. And Peter also spoke of this in Second Peter 2, 3 through 6, and he says, And through covetousness shall they with, uh, with feigned words Make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that uh, after should live ungodly. Listen, you know what the Bible says over and over and over again is that the verdict against these apostates, the prediction that God has given out, is that they, uh, from long, long ago, is that uh, only repentance will save them. There's nothing else. You see, only when they turn to the truth will they ever be saved. But that's the truth for all of us, isn't it? It's only through Jesus, only through accepting the way, the truth, and the life uh, that we can come to the Father. We recognize that, but he says, listen, if they never turn to the truth, then their, their way is predicted as damnation. 
And so there is a, there is a warning there uh, that he has for these that are apostates. Now, a little further down in verse number, in verse number 4, we see the portrayal of the apostates. And, and so we're going to see this a little bit more uh, in detail here. I'm not sure that we're going to finish all the way through point 4, but at least we'll get through this. But we see this without question. The apostates of Jude's day uh, were primarily characterized by ungodliness. As a matter of fact, if you look at four, fifth, verse 15 again in Jude, to execute judgment on all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. And so we see that their life is characterized by this ungodliness, what they say, what they do, what they, uh, the way they act. This is all uh, part of who they are. They claimed to belong to God and to speak, to him, uh, speak for Him, but their hearts were far from Him. Jude uh, demonstrates uh, their character a little bit here tonight. We see, we're going to see their character, their conduct, and finally their creed here as we finish up this evening. And so we see first off the ungodly men as he describes them in verse number 4. He said, who were before of old ordained to this un, uh, condemnation, ungodly men. These, are false te- these false teachers could not worship God properly. In fact, they were and are devoid of any and all reverence for the Lord. And so the early church fathers used the term uh, asbesis, which in reference, uh, which also refers to like a, an atheist or heretic as well. And so these people only played at religion. They, they had this show, this outward packaging of religion, but they didn't have any genuine fear of God. They didn't have any real love for God. Uh, Titus 1.16 says, and they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So they, they purported to be a, a spiritual leader in this church, but in reality they uh, just betrayed uh, all those that had put their trust in them, and not only in what they said, but in their ethical ways as well. They were unethical in their dealings. They were immoral in their ways. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as we see this word lasciviousness here in this next part. We see next their conduct. So that was their character, uh, just uh, one that is almost abominable before the Lord. But we see their conduct, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, this is a common problem we see today uh, in uh, the church scene. There is, uh, I, I forget the, the name of the, the book now, but there has been multiple books written uh, by these false prophets that want to proclaim uh, that, uh, listen, you can do whatever you want, grace will cover it all. And there is, a, there is a great danger in this. And this is the same heresy that Jude was also fighting as he said, listen, they're turning the grace of God, uh, of, of our God, into lasciviousness. Now, understanding a little bit about what lasciviousness means, it refers to a lack of control over yourself in the form of sex or food or other vices associated with sinful living. And so these false teachers were secretly indulging their fleshly desires. And then when they did get caught, they were, uh, they were just their actions. This is what Paul laid out as a warning in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. He said, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
condemned sin in the flesh. Did you catch that? He said he condemned it in the flesh. He didn't, he didn't permit it, he condemned it. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so he has a certain path, a direction that he wants for us as believers to live today and for us to be able to walk on a daily basis. Our character, our conduct uh, should model and follow after Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but listen to this, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be cardinally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me, very quickly, let's just throw out there, what does it mean, what does a spiritual mind look like? Okay, if I'm going to be spiritually minded, he says, there's not going to walk after the flesh, but I will walk after the Spirit. So what does that look like in our life? The Lord's given us a list, hasn't He? Help me out, what does it look like? Speak it out there. I see some lips moving. Just, just say, it, say it out. I'm not afraid. Or elbow your husband and have him do it. Charity. Okay. Gentleness. Good. Good. Meekness. Good. Humility. Good. I, that's right. Whoever started the, the list. Yes. That's right. We call that the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And that those, those, the byproduct of walking in the Spirit is an evidence of what God has already done in our life. Listen, I can't be the loving husband uh, that God wants me to be unless, he's, unless I'm walking with Him, right? Uh, listen, uh, my wife can't be the loving, godly wife that she needs to be uh, because she has to put up with me daily. On, you know, you just see me a couple hours a week. But listen, that poor woman, she has to deal with me every single day. And listen, she has to walk in the Spirit. If not, I would be dead. <laughs> listen, but the reality is these, these, these teachers were such that, that they were uh, bringing in, and then they said, listen, their life wasn't lining up with what Jesus Christ was. They were turning the grace of our God unto lasciviousness. They were turning uh, their conduct into something that was very carnal and very fleshly. And instead of repenting, they were justifying their behavior. They were perverting the biblical concept of grace. And they were saying, listen, that's what grace is all about. It's alright, I can go out and have that fifth of vodka. It's no big deal. Because that's what grace is for. Listen, that is not what grace is for. Grace, listen, as a matter of fact, look at Romans chapter 6. It's, I don't think it's in my notes, but I just want to turn there, and I just want you to see uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul said. He said, what shall we say, in verse number 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what's he say? Two words. God forbid. And Jude was saying, listen, these false teachers, they've come in and they've, they said, listen, grace is, gonna, is abounding and we can do whatever we want and we're just going to live however we want and, and it's a free love and I don't know what else. But listen, this is the reality is that they were false teachers. Amen. 2 Peter 2.19 says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of, what's that word? Corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. He says, listen, you've, you're like the pig that's gone back to the wallow. After you got all cleaned up, you're going back, back to the muck and the mire, or you're like the dog that returns to his vomit, as the Bible says. Those two descriptive uh, the words that he used there to describe a life that goes back to that life of sin. He says, listen, your conduct is not to go back to that, but instead Christ saved you to come out of that and live a life that is so much better than that over there. Alright, let's look at their creed. 
So the, the final thing we see here in this verse number 4, and denying, notice that we're denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, apostate teachers view themselves as their own masters. They set themselves up as God. They refuse to honestly acknowledge the, really the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. And so I remind you what Colossians 1.18 says, and it says, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. That's where uh, Christ belongs. He belongs at the head of it all. Uh, as, we, as, as I think about this, this coming year, my heart is just that, listen, we want to lift up Jesus Christ. We want to magnify the name of Jesus in everything we do, uh, that, that our community, our world, our friends, our family would know that there is a God. His name is Jesus Christ, and we worship Him at Hillside Baptist Church. Listen, a, a, a false teacher is not going to submit to Jesus as the divine master. They're not going to give him the honor he, he requires as the Lord, as the, God, as the Son of God. And so they deny Christ his rightful position. And so in doing so, they proclaim to everyone that they are counterfeit. Folks, let me just tell you, we live in a, a world that is pretty sin-sick, don't we? But we serve a God who is wonderful. We serve a God who is greater than all of the things that we're facing. And I don't have time to finish the last point here. We'll get through verses 5 through 7 next week. But I just want to encourage you, church, as we see uh, this day in which we live, and we see uh, the, uh, the rise in error, may we be willing to say, Lord, I want to study to show myself approved unto God, a, right, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want that to be my goal, is that, Lord, I would know your word so that error might be made obvious. May God give us that, that gumption to be able to say, Lord, I want to pray for those that are, have gone astray. Maybe you've got a friend or a family that's mixed up in a cult or something where they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe we just need to say, Lord, I just want to pray for my family in this situation, that they would truly see Christ for who He is. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?